Welcome back. This is Better Things with Joe Bianca. We're going to call this episode 2.5 because there's a big race coming up this Saturday. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. The 148th Kentucky Derby will be run at Churchill Downs. Hoping for good weather, clean trips, safe trips, all that. Field of 20 was drawn today. And I'm bringing in my co-host from the writer's room and the excellent reporter for the TDN, Bill Finley, to help me handicap it. What's up, Bill? Thank you, Joe. But the key question here is, um, am I an excellent handicapper as well? Eh, we'll we'll see. see. Yeah, that's what the next 20 minutes or so we're going to find out. Right. All right. So we'll we'll start with the draw. The draw just happened a couple of hours ago. Obviously, 20 horses. So there's going to be a lot of shuffling going around going into that first turn. Uh, I'll ask Bill first and then I'll give my thoughts. Were your opinions affected at all by anything from the draw? Um, maybe a tiny bit, but not a lot. I mean, first of all, anytime a prominent horse draws post one Modonigal, that's news. But having I, I wouldn't pick Modonigal no matter what post position he drew. But keep in mind, since they brought in that new starting gate at Churchill Downs where they can put all 20 in one gate, the one post is not nearly as bad as it used to be. A matter of fact, someone uh, emailed me today, said, oh, I'm off San- uh, Excuse me, I'm off Modonigal now because of the draw. And don't do that. You'll be kept kicking yourself if he wins. Then I think the fact that um, Epicenter drew the three post is pretty relevant as well, because that's going to force his hand a little bit uh, from Joel Rosario. Actually, I don't think he's going to get the early lead. I actually have kind of an um, out-of-the-box opinion that I I think Summer is tomorrow, actually, who drew outside of him in the four post after he set the pace in the UAE Derby. I think he'll set the pace, but I can see Epicenter. I can't see Epicenter from the three post with speed outside of him doing anything other than either trying to take the lead or stay relatively close. So as for the rest of the draw, um, you know, nobody got uh, no, nobody got really nailed uh, terribly. I mean, Zozos, the 19, if Ethereal Road to 20, um, 20 Port, the 18. I, I, I never liked those kind of posts, but they were all big long shots to begin with. So, yeah, I think that those were the two stories. Number one, Modonigal draws the rail and kind of, you know, how the post positions from the inside with Epicenter play into the whole pace scenario. Yeah, and well, another the, you mentioned the thing about the they have one gate now. That's also advantageous to horses who draw either fourteen or fifteen because they used to have that auxiliary gate um, mm-hmm. with the last six stalls, and a lot of times horses breaking out of those out, out of the ends of the two gates would kind of come together, and it wasn't great to be in either of those two post positions. So it's a good point. Uh, I agree with you on on epicenter. Look, I think his connections probably would have preferred to be a bit further outside. Definitely outside of Messier. Um, so now they have to send enough to make sure he doesn't get badly shuffled early, but also likely try to switch him off so he doesn't get cooked by the speed to his outside. If anyone could do that, it's Joel Rosario, so I'm not too worried about it, but he's the only horse I like a little bit less after the draw in terms of the main contenders. The one I like a little bit more is Taba. Um, I mean, I'll get to him in a little bit because if he's, he's the freak that he looks like, 12 to 1, which is his morning line, is going to look like a gift. But the reason I was kind of against him in this race is because he got such a good setup, just a, such a clean trip in the Santa Anita Derby. And he just had that outside stalking trip. He was a little wide, sure, but he didn't have a straw in his path the whole way. Now I think he has a potential to, to have that trip again in the Derby, whereas especially for an inexperienced horse like him, if he had drawn one of those three or four inside posts, I think I would have liked him a lot less than I do with him drawing 12 outside of all the other main speeds. So I think I think he's the horse that benefited most from the draw amongst the main contenders. Mm-hmm. You know, 12 to 1 on Tay, but that's newsworthy as well. I mean, at the end of the day, the morning line doesn't really make any difference. But um, that is much higher than I would have put him at. I probably would have put him about maybe 6 to 8 to 1, somewhere in that neighborhood. But I think it's a reflection, Joe, of, you know, kind of the, what what is the uh, – 
the bandwagon horse, the horse with momentum versus the horses everybody is jumping off their bandwagon. And uh, Taba is definitely a horse where, you know, I'm not there, but I, I get the feeling everybody's kind of going against, you know, first of all, they, they found out that he was put on the vets list after his first lifetime start before the San Diego Derby. Also, no matter what he says, and Tim Yachtin seems like a real good guy, but um, no matter what he says, the fact that he's only had one workout since the San Diego Derby has to trouble you a little bit. But if you like him, um, you know, I'm not sure you're going to get 12 to 1. Maybe you will get 8 or 9 to 1. And at one point in time after the San Diego Derby, I actually thought there was some chance he could be the favorite in there. And I, that's how much he's cooled off, at least uh, in, in public opinion. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you that he's probably going to be in the 8 to, or 9 to 1 range instead of 12 to 1. I think that's that's a touch high. But even then, like, like I said, if he's the freak that he looks like, 8 or 9 to 1 is going to look like a, a big overlay if he's able to step up once again and, and you know, run as good or better in the Derby as he did in the Santa Anita Derby because his his buyer is tied for the highest of any three-year-old so far this year. His thoroughbred figure, he ran a negative 0.5 in the Santa Anita Derby. Nobody else in this field has run below a zero. So he's, you know, figure-wise as the horse to beat. Obviously, there's a lot of variables and a lot of questions about him. But so let's let's segue from that into the, the main contenders that you think you have to use. And then we'll jump over to maybe someone who's a little bit of a shorter price that you, you, you're trying to toss maybe out of, out of exactus or trifectus. I think the ones you have to use are epicenter. Even with the draw, he's just he's just so he, he showed his versatility in the Louisiana Derby, which I thought was so key for him. I just think visually that was the most impressive prep race of any any throughout the entire season for me. So I think you know at seven to two, am I rushing to bet him at the windows? No, but I think he's a horse that you definitely have to use. And with Joel Rosario in the irons, guy who never panics, even with that inside draw, I think he's going to end up being okay. You know, as for the other top contenders, you know, in the top tier, I would put Epicenter, Zandon, Taba, Messier, and White Abario. That's my tier one, if you guys want to put those up. Epicenter, Zandon, Taba, Messier, and White Abario. I think those are the most likely winners in the race. They have they have individual question marks. Um, I'm against one of them at least, and I'm going to get to that in the next segment. But but Bill, how would you how would you lay out your first tier of the major contenders in the race? Yeah, mine is pretty similar to yours, Joe. And you know, I I, I kind of am hesitant to say what I'm about to say because you know, from one standpoint, a handicapper in a race like this where the race is so wide open. And, uh, you know, we'll get into it. Uh, Zandon, a three to one morning on favorite. I don't think he's going to be three to one. I think he's going to be nine to two or something like that. That's another thing in the line that I disagree with. This race is way too wide open to have a three to one favorite in it. Um, but I, I mean, Zandon is obviously in that that tier. But I, I want to come up with that wise guy, 25, 26 to one shot in here. And, you know, maybe between now and the time uh, we go to the windows on Saturday, I will but right now I'm struggling to find that. So I would say that uh, Zandon, um, Messier, and Epicenter are my three top tier horses. I, I, I'm one less than you. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go with the kind of anti wise guy line of thinking. I'm gonna throw a table out. So those would be my top tier. But you know, geez. Uh, Good thing I do this for free because I'm not earning my money. I think I just gave out the first three favorites. Oh boy, Bill, good job. No, but that's what this is for. We want to we want to establish the main contenders so we can talk about who we like a little bit better or or, or who we're leaning towards tossing. You said Taba. You know, the horse for me that I honestly am most against of those horses is Zandon. And you said he's three to one. I, I don't disagree with you. I think he'll probably be somewhere in the four to one to five to one range. So it's not as if there's a five or six horse field and a three to five favorite, and you're trying to toss the horse and get paid. Obviously, he's got to be included somewhere on your multis and not somewhere on your your tries and supers. But I just think back to 
we were talking to Steve Kornacki last week about the pace of the Derby and the, the, the trend towards front running horses or at least horses close to the pace winning the Derby for the last decade plus since they instituted the point system. And Orb, he mentioned, was the only one really in 2013 to really come from far back. And of the main contenders, I think Zandon is going to be the furthest back of them. I think everybody else, you know, I was looking at the thoroughgraph uh, race shape earlier today for the race. And, you know, Time From US has the race shapes as well. It really helps you envision the pace. Um, so let me just, let me find that because Zandon was the only one that was not going to be in the, the first half of the field. I think they had Messier leading early on, followed by Taba, Simplification, Happy Jack, White Barrio, Charge It, and Cyberknife with a gap to the next flight led by Zozos and Epicenter. You seem to think the Epicenter is going to be a bit closer. I, I tend to agree with that, but I don't think he's going to meet up on the pace. The only horse that only leaves Zandon of the main contenders who's likely to be in the back half of the field for the first six furlongs. And, you know, since they moved to that qualifying point system, it takes out a lot of the cheap speed that we used to see in the Derby, the sinister ministers, the keyed entries, the horses that really had no realistic chance to win the race, but served as a fly in the ointment for the other pace players. So that's that's the question you have to answer if you're going to take Zanon at three to one or four to one. You either have to think that he's good enough to break that recent history, or you have to think that the pace is going to be so hot that all of those other contenders who are going to be up near the pace and are going to be get the jump on him are going to come back to him. What's your feeling, Bill? Do you do you agree with any of that? But if you don't, who else do you think might be a little bit vulnerable? So I, I do and I don't. And um, I looked this up and did the studying of it. Since 2014, every derby, no derby winner has been further back than third in any point of call in the race. Um, that's obviously something that's significant. Now, it's interesting when the point system came in in 2012, the first two years, it was horses coming from off the pace. I'll have another was sixth and seventh early on in his trip. And Orb came from 16th to win in 2013. But Joe, I, you know, yeah, I, I'm keeping that in mind. But I, you know, there's a couple things going here. And, and, and like I said, I, I don't, we don't know what the pace is going to be. I mean, it's, it, it's not the type of race where you can either say definitively it's going to be a really hot pace or you can say definitively it's going to be on the slow side. I just don't know. And, you know, we won't know until a quarter mile into the race. I don't think it's going to be, you know, something where they go to the half and 48. So if, if, they, if the pace is decent, um, and I think it will be, quote, unquote, at least decent, that, that'll be fine for Zanon. And I'm a fan. I think even if he is a little bit compromised by the recent style of the winners of the Kentucky Derby, I do think he's perhaps good enough to overcome that. I mean, you know, he's not going to be up on the top flight uh, early on, but neither is he going to be like Zenyatta 25 lengths back, anything like that either. So, I'm, you know, that's one we'll disagree on. I'm, I'm in the Zanon camp. Um, but I do understand you do make some valid points. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, and that, that kind of leads into the pace scenario discussion, because like you, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I, my envision is 22 and four, 23 flat for the quarter, maybe 46 and one, 46 and two for the half, 110 and three, 110 and four for three quarters. I think the, the, that forbidden kingdom coming out of the race was a big deal in terms of the Derby pace, because I, I just felt like he was the most, the most headstrong of those horses who prefer to be up near the lead. Now, you do still have Classic Causeway in there. You do still have Messier in there. You got a Happy Jack. You got a couple of horses that like to be up near the pace. And Summer is tomorrow, who you mentioned. I'll toss it to you in a second about him. But I, I, I think it's going to be that moderate pace. And 
you know, if this were one of those derbies where you don't really have any faith in the, the horses who are going to be up near the lead or up in, in the second flight, then I'd, I'd be more inclined to trust Zandon at seven to two or four to one or nine to two. I think that so many of the main contenders are going to be closer than him. Obviously, you got to throw him into your, your underneath and your tries and your supers. But just on the win, win end, he's the one who's going to be a short price that I think you're trying to beat. So I think Messier is going to go to the front. I just think, especially now with, with Forbidden Kingdom out, Messier can do what he does best, go fast early, try to keep going late. I mean, we saw in the Bob Lewis, which to me up until Epicenter and, and the last round of preps was clearly the most impressive three-year-old race of the year when he took that heat in the Bob Lewis and ended up winning off by 14 lengths with a 103 buyer. I just think with a horse who has that much natural speed, even if you think there's some other speed on paper, you go and you say, catch me if you can. But you think that there's going to be someone else in front. So how do you how do you see the first and second flights shaping up? Well, so I have a wise guy horse for who's going to set the pace. I wish they took betting on <laughs> who's going to be in front after three furlongs. Yeah. Um, when you get a chance, go back and look. And to prepare for this, you know, I did my homework. I looked at all the major preps. I knew we were going to be talking about the UAE Derby. This horse looked like he was running in the fourth at, at Los Alamitos. And he, matter of fact, he got out there and, and the jock was just hustling him right to the lead. Matter of fact, at some point in the race, the announcer, I believe it's Terry Spargo, uh, even said something to the effect, he'll never hold on after this. Now, uh, they don't put up, you know, uh, fractional times there. So you don't know if he was going 45 or 48 or whatnot. But, you know, and then I didn't look at his other races, but in the racing form comments, it all says like straight to the lead, straight to the lead, straight to the lead, et cetera. And, you know, if you're, if you're uh, aboard a 50 to one shot that has, uh, ample early speed. Why would you not take advantage of your only chance to win this race, which would be to get out front and just hope to God nobody really goes after you. So I do think he's going to uh, take the lead. Um, but I, And I think there's going to be a grouping right behind him of sort of the three or four horses that you mentioned. And you know, it's funny because when we were first talking about this, we, we were saying how there's going to be all this speed in the derby. All the preps were being run wire to wire, and then it didn't turn out that way. Um, I am wondering what they'll do with Messier because I understand Forbidden Kingdom was in the race, and he's you know a sprinter taken off like hellbent for leather. But you know, it was notable that they did take Messier back off the pace in the Santa Anita Derby. So I mean, I think, and you get this sometimes. There's five or six horses in here; they all want to be third early. Yeah. Um, I, I agree that there isn't, there aren't as many runoff speeds. I thought, you know, honestly, I thought Classic Causeway going in the race, much as I like Brian Lynch, I just, I don't know, maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I just feel like he seems kind of like that cheap speed now, whereas you never would have said that after the Sam Davis. You thought he was one of the top five, maybe top three contenders in his three-year-old crop, and, and now he just kind of looks like, you know, like I said, that fly in the ointment for a horse like Messier, who, might, who has a better chance to win. But so then I kind of want to get into that, and horses that you need to toss, because you know, unless unless you're super rich, you can't afford to use every horse in the Derby in tries and supers. So you got to you got to take a stand somewhere and toss out some horses. And I think there are maybe a half dozen or so horses that I feel capable that I feel competent, confident in tossing completely. Mm -hmm. And summer is tomorrow, like you said. You know, I just if he does get fried up in that pace, otherwise, I think I think he's too slow no matter what. Happy Jack, who I think is too slow. Barber Road, I like maybe a little bit to get third or fourth, but. And in terms of the top two spots, can't use them. Classic Causeway is another one. Liked them much earlier in the year. I don't think he's going to see it out. Ethereal Road and Tis the Bomb. Those are my six. Those are my main six tosses. Uh, how do you feel about that, Bill? Is there anybody else you would add or, or take out? Well, no, I, I, I'm on board that pretty much the same as you. Um, but I'll just take it a little bit further. And um, 
this is this the one thing I'll step out on a limb a little bit on is that I'm going to toss the, all the Florida horses, um, White Aberio, Simplification, and uh, Charge It. And matter of fact, of the three, I mean, I wrote after his his uh, very nice second place finish in the Florida Derby uh, about how impressed I was with Charge It. But you know, backing off that a little bit, I I just think that the weakest preps this year, and it's unusual because these are usually the two strongest, were the Florida Derby. And then the Arkansas Derby. I don't know if you I don't think you mentioned Cyberknife, who's 21 in the morning line. Um, the Arkansas Derby every single year comes up tough. And this year, that whole Arkansas route to the Kentucky Derby was really weak. I mean, Unoho won the Rebel at, at 500 to one or whatever, made, you know, made absolutely no sense whatsoever. So uh, I'll toss the Arkansas Derby horses and I'll toss the Florida Derby horses. And then, you know, obviously the ethereal road and, and tawny port and, and prince pioneer medina uh you know big long shots that i don't see any reason to to include them and then another one i mean this isn't necessarily uh stepping out in a limb either but i think tis the bomb is a, is a really nice horse understand why you know you if you get the chance to run in the derby you do it but he doesn't belong in this race he's not you can't run on the dirt um you know it, and, 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 you know, and I'm a little surprised Ken McPeak went this route because he had all these great plans to go over to England. And, you know, he would have been, uh, you know, far from ascension in any of those big races. But, uh, you know, I think trying to win those races over there, like the uh, 2000 Guineas and, and, and Epsom Derby and all that, would be a much easier task for this horse rather than going back to dirt where he just totally bombed earlier this year and, and trying to win there. So um, I'm, I'm not on Tisdemont. Yeah, and I think he's the kind of horse that, He's probably he's not going to be a short price, but I think he's going to be maybe in the fifteen to twenty to one range. Um, and I, you know, he should be he could be one hundred fifty to one in that race, and I wouldn't use him. So even you know, it's one of those things where sometimes there are long shots, and just because they're a big price doesn't necessarily mean they're good value. If you see a horse that you, that's thirty to one, that on paper should be three hundred to one, doesn't mean you should throw the horse in. But so who should we throw in? Who what long shots should we use? That you think, you know, maybe not even not just on the win end, but you could slide into the bottom half and exact. Uh, I got a couple, but I want to hear yours first. Bill. Well, I want to comment a little bit about the and I'll get right to that, Joe. But I call it the mind that bird phenomenon. Ever since that race, have you noticed there's no longer any 150 to one shots yeah. in the Derby? Yeah. Everybody's trying to find the next mind that bird. There are horses in the Derby that should be 500 to one and they all go off at 36 to one. Because everybody, and it's, you know, amateur hour, which you understand, you know, your Aunt Millie is betting the Derby. She doesn't bet any other race all year long. And, you know, oh, I want to go try to find that long shot. So, you know, that, and, and if you're playing the lower price horses, that's actually an advantage to you because it does tilt the odds uh, when, the, when the long shots are over bet. Well, um, also, like, when we were talking about with the points schedule, it's right. been a formful race since yes. they instituted that too, not just the pace. It's been very formful. Right. Um, so my kind of like uh, horse that is being overlooked, the 21 shot in the morning line, I'll give you two. One is Smile Happy. I, boy, I love this horse at the beginning of the year. And it goes back to that Kentucky Jockey Club stakes where he whipped White Aberio um, uh, in there. And, and that turned out to be such a key race for him. White Aberio and Classic Causeway. Um, so he, he whipped the Florida Derby winner and the Tampa Bay Derby winner in the race. And, you know, he keeps... Uh, he's run okay this year, but not to expectations. But I still remember what he said on our podcast, Ken McBee. He says, "I'm." And this was before the um, bluegrass, but he said, I'm sitting on a keg of dynamite. I don't think he has asked this horse for his very best yet. Off his bluegrass stakes, I don't like him a bit. He had a perfect trip. Zandon, who had much worse trip than him, had no problem getting by him. 
but I still think this is the one horse in there. You know, the 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 winner of the Derby is almost always the horse that's going to improve five lengths off their last prep race. This is the horse I think has the best chance to improve five lengths off the last pressure, uh, last prep race. Excuse me. And the other one, I don't know if I'll use this horse or not, but you know, I'll actually, Joe, I want to see your opinion on this. What do you do with Crown Pride? I would have, wouldn't have given a Japanese horse, you know, any chance at all in this race. Up till the Breeders' Cup, the Japanese horses, whenever they came over the U.S., just didn't do a thing. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just in the U.S. and the Breeders' Cup, but in Saudi Arabia and Dubai as well. Can't lose. So, you know, I, I know his main prep was in the UAE Derby, but, you know, what do you do with the hot, the, the factor of how hot these Japanese horses are? For that reason, I would probably throw them in, you know, to, to clunk up and, and be somewhere involved if you're playing tries or supers or something. Definitely. No, I agree. I, I'm, I'm in on him, too. Uh, I'm, I was looking at the thoroughgraph sheet for the for the Maidan races. He ran a two and a half in the in the UAE Derby, which is slight, slight cut below the top contenders, but not by a lot. Like I said, the only horse that has run a, a negative figure is Taba. Everyone else is in that one to two range. So that leaves you with a lot of contenders and a lot of horses that, you know, I like. We're going to talk about the Oaks quickly in, in just a second. There are more horses that I like to win this race at a big price than the Oaks. I think with the Oaks, it's going to be so hard to beat all four of those monsters. Like, you might be able to get some prices underneath. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. But yeah. in this race, like, yeah, there are, there's a handful, like I said, the tier one horses, like the upper upper echelon, but it's such a small gap back to everybody else. If he hadn't drawn so poorly, I would have liked Zozos a lot more in this race, but I still think he's going to get lost in the, on the board and be about 25 or 30 to one. A horse that's lightly raced, kind of paired up figures last time. Obviously, he was no match for for uh, Epicenter in the Louisiana Derby, but he's had a lot of time to develop since then. I think he could be moving forward more so than Epicenter. Like you said, Crown, Crown Pride, smile happy. I love him as a horse just like you, and I think he's he's super talented and is going to have a big summer and fall no matter what happens in the Derby. I just find it hard to see him sticking out a mile and a quarter. I just thought he got blown by by Zandon in the stretch, and I think there are horses that he's faster horses he's going to have to chase and then horses like Sandin, who's he's going to have to hold off from the back of the pack. And if this were, you know, this were even the Preakness, if he could just have a smaller field, a little bit better setup going a mile and three sixteenths, I'd like him a little bit more. Going to use him underneath. I kind of agree with you with Charge It. I just, you know, he was he was a good second in that race, but I didn't like the way he was weaving all over the place in the stretch. And that's kind of how I feel about the Florida horses in general. Like that was such a stagger fest late. I do like White of Barrio. I think he fits on figures. I think he's you know, he's moved forward every single race. He's had that constant progression, which you like to see. But I, yeah, I, I, I have that vision of the final furlong coming home in almost 14 seconds in the Florida Derby. And I just, you know, I wonder about those horses seeing it out for another uh, eighth of a mile in the Derby. I think Pioneer Medina is kind of interesting for the same reason that I thought Zozos was interesting. I thought he he kind of jumped forward a lot in those Louisiana races. And he ran third or fourth in the, the Risen Star and then came back and, and paired up that number uh, last time out. So I think he could have another move forward in him and get into the number at a big price. I think he's going to be upwards of 40 to one. So I, I like him a little bit. You know, Tawny Port, I gave a little bit of a look to, but He's, this is going to be his third race in five weeks. I know, Bill, you think that's way too much racing for, for a horse, and I agree with you there 100%. Um, but, you know, I think those are those are kind of the horses that I'll try to get a little funky with and try to get them into the, the tries and supers. Of the, of the you know, tier two horses, I would say the one I don't like is Mo Donegal. I just think he's going to be too far back, and especially with the rail, he's going to get shuffled so far back. I, he's the kind of horse that I feel like is going to be 17th or 18th 
early at like eight or nine to one and people are going to be ripping up those tickets. So that that's that's where I stand. Any any other thoughts on the Derby bill before we move to the Oaks? Well, are we going to pin each other down and get a, a pick? You want to pick? Yeah, you want. All right. You know, I, it's funny. I've been, as we're sitting here going back and forth, I'm, I'm Messier, Zandon, Messier, Zandon, Messier, Zandon. All right. I got to, you know, I can't be so indecisive. I can't be so wishy-washy. And I, I know you you made some valid points about him, uh, but I'll pick Zandon. How about that? I just right. love his, his bluegrass was the, of the major preps over the, over the final ones, the 100-point races. He was the the one that I said, "Wow." Yeah, you know, I mean, for we're, that we're, reason, there I go. Yeah, we're, we're I think we're both going to chalk it out here. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Messier. I think he'll probably be six to one, five to one, six to one, something like that. He definitely won't be favored. I wanted to go with Epicenter, but you know, the draw worried me a little bit. And I think I think Messier, if he can let, if he, I can either get loose or lay off Summers tomorrow, like Bill is thinking is going to happen. I think he's just he's the horse to beat. He's the most talented horse in the race, except for maybe Taba. Who obviously has his own concerns. I like him a little bit as well, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna take Messier, uh, and, and it's so much depends on the board. You know, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to pick horses on Monday when I, my opinion might change completely by Saturday based on the way those horses are bet. But but yeah, I'll take Messier, and I hope people are are prepared for the the potential of former Bob Baffert trainees <laughs> running one two in this Derby because right. I right. think it's 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 got a legitimate possibility, especially if the pace kind of moderates the way I think it might. Joe, let me give you a stat on Messi that's going to even strengthen your opinion. Um, Bob Baffert, including Medina Spirit, well, I'm going to include him. It was won the Kentucky Derby uh, seven times. Four of those winners, four, including Authentic and Medina Spirit, in their prep, in their, well, it was the weird year with Authentic, so I'll just put it this way. Four of them ran second in the San Anita Derby. So four of his seven Kentucky Derby winners ran second in the San Diego Derby. Now I know the name on the program says Tim Yachtin, and I'm not saying it's, it's you know, he's a, uh, I'm sure he's in there doing a good job and everything, but I still consider these Bob Baffert horses. Uh, I mean, he, he he's had them 98% of their career, um, you know, and uh, uh, it laid the foundation to get there. So I think uh, if you're a big fan of Baffert in the Derby and how could you not be, I think you have to uh, like Messier and probably Tabor as well. Yep, definitely both going to be A's on my tickets. We didn't really talk about the multi-race bets because it's, it's hard to figure out how those are going to shake out until you see all the undercard races. But I think that, yeah, those would be my A's along with, I guess I'd throw in Wider Barrio as an A as well as Epicenter um, and then Zandon probably like a B or a C. So let's just talk briefly about the Oaks. We I, I wouldn't normally do this on a Kentucky Derby preview show, but it's such a great race. It's it's the best Kentucky Oaks I can remember. I'm honestly surprised that it drew 14 horses. I said this earlier on the writer's room that I thought this might be an undersubscribed uh, Oaks because it doesn't always get 14 horses. I thought it might get nine or 10, but, you know, this, God bless people who were willing to take a shot, even though they, we have these four major contenders in this race. And obviously the major contenders, Echo Zulu, Nest, Kathleen O. And then who's the fourth one, Bill? I'm forgetting. Secret Oath. Secret Oath, of course. I was still thinking about her maybe running in the Derby. Um, so you know, this is, I'll, I'll just break it down like this. I don't think you're going to beat any of these four horses on top. I think you know you, you use those four in the pick fours and the pick fives. You're going to be safe going through that race. The idea is probably to get somebody else underneath for the try. Maybe, maybe the exact if a couple of these fillies don't show up. I was against Echo Zulu going into this race because I think on paper she's the slowest of these four major contenders, which says a lot about the quality of the field, considering she's a champion. She's an undefeated champion, and she's probably the slowest of the top four contenders. But I think the pace isn't going to be that fast. I kind of think that she's going to be loose on the lead. Um, I, you know, I, I think that helped that hurts Kathleen O a little bit. 
But the horse that I cannot get past and the horses whose, whose race I cannot forget was Nest in the Ashland. I just thought of all of these really, really impressive races by the three-year-old fillies in the last month or two. She just looks so good. Arad Ortiz was sitting on a keg of dynamite to use Kenny McPeak's expression that whole way, went right, wide around both turns. It didn't matter. She exploded away in the stretch and just won in an absolute canter. I don't care what was in the race behind her. Just visually, I thought that was the best race of any filly this year. Bill, how do you how do you how do you look at the Oaks? All right, I'm going to reserve the right to uh, not make my pick till Friday. Uh, um, a couple things, and you're you're right. Uh, these are four beasts. These four horses. I mean, absolute beasts. Any one of the four in a normal year could be a two to one, eight to five favorite in the Kentucky Oaks. And now, um, and I mean, again, I I totally disagree with the line maker there. But Secret Oath six to one, you know, but that does speak to the strength of the race. So. Couple of thoughts. I am like you. I'm. I'm not on Echo Zulu. I did not like her return to the races, where she won by a nose as a huge favorite, ran the slowest buyer figure of her of her career as a three year old versus her two year old numbers. You know, can she move up off that race? Of course she can. But that was a to me not a good starting point. The way she she was. Uh, really, you know, eked out the victory and and, and, and didn't get a big figure. And then I, I would have, uh, two weeks ago, I would have said that I would be loading up on Kathleen O because I love that horse. But I do listen to what the clockers and the experts have to say. And I think you have to. And everybody was panning her workout the other day. And, you know, that's, you know, that's relevant. It really was. I mean, you would, the last thing you would think was that a horse trained by Shug McGahee wouldn't be sharp and ready for the biggest race and start of her career. But, you know, with, with, if it's just one guy saying it, and it's like, okay, but everybody said it was a lousy workout and there. So everybody's going to jump off their bandwagon. So that leaves me with Nesta, I suppose, and Secret Oath. And, uh, you know, um, we'll see. Um, I don't think Secret Oath is going to be six to one, though. That's very high. Yeah, unless people are totally off of her because of the Arkansas Derby, but if you go watch that race, she ran great. You know, I don't care what the I don't care what the figure says. I don't care where she finished. She ran a big race in that and that and that that day against males. Yeah, I, you know, if you want, you know, XBTV sponsors the writers' room. You can go Google. You can go search all those uh, those workouts for those contenders, and you can judge for yourself whether or not you thought Kathleen O's work was was great or terrible, as people are saying. So that's what's nice is like we got a lot of. A lot of new technology, a lot of new streaming services that we can look at the works for ourselves. But yeah, I, I, I'm sticking with Nest on top. She would be my key horse. You know, in terms of just, uh, just a couple of long shots I might throw in underneath to try to spice up the tries. I think it's going to be hard to get these horses in the exact up. I like Venti Valentine a little bit. I think her race two back was big. She's going to be forgotten a little bit after her last race wasn't very good. Hidden Connection, who our, our co-host John Green likes a lot. I think that she's rounding in the top form. Desert Dawn, Dawn and Goddess of Fire. Now, Goddess of Fire is tough to take because she just got, you know, smacked by Kathleen O. But if you think that Kathleen O isn't going to run her a good race, maybe she could sneak into the try as well. So it's going to be a great, great weekend of racing. And it's one of those, you know, we talked about this before, but it's this is this needs twin billing. You know, usually the Oaks is kind of the lead up to the Derby, the appetizer. But this year, the Oaks and the Derby should be on equal footing on the marquee. And we're very much looking forward to it. Bill Finley, thanks for coming on and talking to me. Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you all for watching. This is Better Things episode 2.5. I think we'll be back with episode three fairly soon. And, you know, best of luck with all your derby bets and your Oaks bets. It's going to be a tremendous weekend. And thanks again for tuning in.